You're listening to Kidding Ourselves. I'm Emily. And I'm Brian. This show is about our journey to parenthood through adoption. And we're back. We're back. It's been a bit of a break. We had a summer hiatus, unintentionally. <laughs> Life got in the way, and we don't even have kids yet. It's true. What, are we kidding ourselves or something? <laughs> we really are. We've just been busy. You've been traveling a lot. Yeah. Well, less lately, but I guess work and life, like you said. Yeah. But any burglars that are listening, I never travel. I'm always home. <laughs> anyway. So take that. Give us an update. What have you been doing? Well, been working a fair amount and at also your day job. at my day job. And I've been playing music a lot amount. Mm-hmm. The last Maybe couple that's weeks. what it is. You haven't been traveling, but you've been busy rehearsing yeah. and recording mm-hmm. and some other stuff for music for your other job. Yeah. So I uh, had a bunch of rehearsals um, for shows that have happened and are yet to happen. Wrapped drums uh, for a record, which is going to be so awesome. Big shout out to Ross Cooper, one of my best buds. It's going to be great. And Does uh, he listen? No. Well, I'll tell you. Are you really best? <laughs> are you really best buds then? Um, and yeah, we uh, we've been doing other stuff at home. Whenever we are both home, oh, it's been nice to have you home and just like it. Honestly, it's just felt like we have the same lives as normal people. <laughs> we are normal. Well, it doesn't feel like it all the time, but we've been like sitting on the couch together and eating meals together. And uh, going to bed at the same time sometimes, and that feels normal. Yeah, for sure. So, anyway, we are back, and the other reason we've been kind of silent is just nothing's really happening right now with our weight, and people keep asking, and we really appreciate that people want to know, but it's probably going to be... A while. No news is no news for... A while. So unless you hear otherwise, there's <laughs> nothing happening. We have no updates. But we did attend a training last week. Um, it's really more of a class. I, I don't know. We learned a lot, but. Yeah, for sure. It's an agency event that um, they have like a different monthly topic. And we were able to attend that one. So we did. And it happened to be a topic that we wanted to hear more about and so we're glad that they do those and that we were able to learn some stuff so we wanted to share that today and then hopefully we'll have some other episodes coming down the pike because we got a, a an episode topic request from cousin of the pod Kelsey <laughs> and it's a great idea so uh, stay tuned for that and then we found out a couple of our friends are going to be fostering unaccompanied minors through the same agency that we're using. And we're really, really excited for them and want to share whatever of their experience we can with you. It's not adoption at all, but it's still, they'll be essentially like first time parents in a way. And um, they could just teach us so much about that situation. So 
I'm excited to hear more from them. For uh, sure. So Casey and Savannah, stay tuned. Check your texts. <laughs> Check your texts. Texts. That's a hard word to say. Texts. texts. You really got to emphasize texts. all the... Just like that. Yes. Okay, so let's talk about the training. For sure. From last so week. it was a um, more kind of a not panel. Quite a panel. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Like there, there were only two people. Some version of a panel. Yeah. It was a small panel, a, a, a mini panel. Anyway, a manel. A, a man. <laughs> so there were two gals who had uh, made adoption plans and had placed their kiddos with parents Mm -hmm. so one of them actually was uh with our agency um she made an adoption plan in place with our agency and the other um actually found out about a support group that our agency is involved with um but did not actually work with our agency making her adoption plan um but it was really interesting to hear uh different sides of the same story um the story being adoption that is So different sides of that, and um, one gal had a very, um, she she rather has a, a very open relationship with the family, and um, gets to see you know uh, her child. I think every once in a while, but is a is kind of a regular part of that. Um, the other mom kind of has the flip side of that coin. Things started out really great. And over time, the family eventually needed to move, so they relocated. And over time, it's just kind of gone. It's been longer and longer between communications, and she hasn't heard from them in quite some time. So it, it's uh, it's kind of interesting to, to hear, you know, how things kind of naturally evolve, even after the adoption plan is is made, and you know the baby's been born. Um, you know, things just. Uh, I think they kind of happen. Yeah, I think it was good for us to hear, one, how important it is as an adoptive parent to keep your promise, if if you make one of any kind, to the birth parents. And whether that be openness or some other type of communication, um, visits, etc. Just don't promise don't make promises you can't keep I mean that's a pretty good rule for all of life but we got to see the pain that comes as a result of not keeping a promise and we heard only one side of the story and we do not know anything really about the situation other than that it's kind of not ideal right now and so anyway but it was good for us to recognize that we have a responsibility in that situation and in our own story. Yeah. And also, um, it was good to just hear that again. I mean, we know it, but just to have it affirmed that every adoption story is different and no two are exactly alike. And everyone comes into it with expectations and ideas of how they want it to go. And, you know, it may or may not. And, the birth parent rights and um, well, the birth parent rights are really important and the adoptive parents have a duty to, you know, be real with them about what they're getting into. Yeah, absolutely. And that being said, also, um, 
like Emily mentioned, we don't know any of the the other side of the story for the for the one um, birth mother, you know. But we we could kind of speculate maybe that you know something may have happened just in the life of the family. You know, things have you know may have developed in a certain way that kind of precludes the relationship or the arrangement they had previously. Um, it's also pretty interesting just from the perspective of being chosen by an expectant mother uh, oftentimes is predicated on a, a certain level of openness. Um, some yeah. expectant mothers very much want to be as involved as possible in the lives of their kiddo. Um, it's relatively uncommon, uh, according to our agency, for a closed adoption to take place, like a completely closed um, from the get-go. Um, but that being said, uh, it kind of a kind of a sad ending to the birth mother panel yeah. was the, the one gal told us that it's been so difficult not hearing from the family that she is actually seeking to close her adoption. Yeah, I think her goal is to reduce her expectations by just saying, okay, well, right now I'm just, I just want to close it. Um, and then she can always change her mind later, but you know, that's what she shared with us. And it just, it was a, honestly a real privilege to be in that room and have her share this really hard thing with a group of strangers. And I think we all really appreciated her perspective and it was just a real moment of oh, okay wow like this there's so many people involved in this scenario who need support and um, encouragement and they need to be you know um, I guess dealt with in an honest manner and um, hopefully that they hopefully she has been from that adoptive family and you know, whatever they're going through, hopefully can be resolved and they can repair their relationship. But it was just really important, I think, for us to to hear that. And I don't know that we've talked at all about openness and closed adoptions. Do you remember? We, we talked a little bit about it, I think, in one of the first episodes, uh, one of the first few episodes, just about the process and how um, our organization, our adoption agency is... Uh, they, they really promote openness um, as opposed to how adoption was 50 years ago when openness yeah. like was not a thing. Yeah. Um, I, if, if you basically place a child for adoption, then it was like you're closing the book and it's it was sometimes well, impossible to find your birth parent. That's what I couldn't remember is yeah. whether we had talked about that comparison, like things used to be a lot more closed and sometimes kids most often probably kids didn't necessarily know they were adopted until much later in life and um, just I think a lot of research has been done since then to determine how much better Mm -hmm. for the child it is to know where they came from and um, if possible and and have a relationship with the birth parents and so that's something where embracing and growing more comfortable with over time but again every situation is different and we haven't met our future birth parents and so we don't know what that relationship will be for us but we hope and pray that that will be a good relationship and we can have some level of openness and you know come to that conclusion together about what works for all parties involved yeah for sure um, like Emily said, 
every single adoption plan and adoption experience is different and unique in its own way. Um, but I, th- I think ultimately getting to hear from these birth mothers really drove the point home with us that like it, it it's easy sometimes to kind of uh, approach adoption when you're just slogging through what seems like endless paperwork and classes and online trainings um, to approach it almost from a, a clinical perspective. Like we have to do all this work and then eventually, you know, we'll be able to bring a kid into our home. Um, it's, it's kind of easy, I think, to lose sight of all of the parties involved, all the different um, with the birth mother and the birth father, um, the families of both of them. Um, it, you know, there are lots of uh, lots of human human beings, lots of lives that are affected and impacted by just the whole process. Yeah, and I think that that makes it all the more important to me to realize like what an impact not only this situation can have on us, but the impact that we could have on other people and just the growth and um, just experience with compassion and grace and mercy and all of that wrapped up into to this whole story and it's just been you know we're learning more and more that that's really what it's all about and um so yeah well but there was another part mm -hmm. of that same training that we wanted to to share because it's it was new to us when we really went to agency orientation and then we got to learn a lot more about it at this panel. For sure. So we wanted to talk through interim care, which is a completely foreign term to, or was to me before last December. So um, I guess I can set the scene with, say, a an expectant mother makes a birth plan, I mean an adoption plan, and she chooses a family and she meets them she likes them she agrees she wants them that she wants to place her baby with them and then um, comes time for delivery they may go to the hospital and you know support her be with her um, and then realize she realizes after the birth she's not a hundred percent or at least 90 percent sure that she wants to follow through with the adoption plan. Mm -hmm. Then they have through our agency, and I don't know if other agencies do this, but they have what's called interim care. So they've selected families that they know through, I assume all through their own adoptions who have agreed to be interim care families. And they, um, Basically, the agency calls and says, a baby was born. Um, the mom is not 100% or 90% at least sure that she wants to place. And so we're basically, can you take this baby until she figures it out? Yeah. That's what interim care is. Yeah, and, and it's not even exclusively for when the mom may have some doubts. Um, it's also True. utilized to mitigate what's known as legal risk with mm-hmm. the child um, because the way that it works, at least in Tennessee, is that uh, a mom gives birth and then she has to go to the courthouse um, and then meet with a, a judge and the judge has to 
ex- you know, go over the everything basically and ex- make sure that she understands exactly what the process looks like. Like, um, yeah, to waive her rights precisely. Um, uh, waiving her rights, surrendering the child, um, and and custody of the child, and so she has to meet with the judge, um, and uh, she can't actually go to the courthouse any sooner than seventy two hours after she gives birth. So she has to wait three days, go to the courthouse, meet with the judge, wait three more days before she can return and return the paperwork signed to the judge, formally surrendering custody of the child. Um, the, be, because of the, the different requirement in wait period and oftentimes the, uh, the docket at various courthouses, sometimes that can take uh, a week or two or even three or four. And so... During that point in time, the child, you are able to take him home. Um, if we got a call today that a child had been born, um, we could bring him home right now, and that'd be totally fine. But until that final paperwork is signed uh, with the judge, the mom at any point in time could decide to parent herself, and we we would there would wouldn't be anything we could do about it yeah we would essentially they would have to come pick up the baby or we would have yeah. to take the baby wherever and so it does provide protection for all parties because mm-hmm. there's reduced pressure on the birth mom to make her decision um based on maybe well the baby's already in their house and like they'll they'll hate me if i change my mind now and you know yeah. she has a lot less to worry about and it protects the adoptive family from having to go through the trauma of removing a, a baby that was placed with them. Um, so we, we came out of it feeling really positive and one of the birth or the interim care families actually spoke and they seemed like the most awesome people that if anyone was going to be caring for anyone's baby, you would be like, wow, they're great for that (laughs) yeah they had adopted several children through our agency and um after their most recent adoption or i think a couple years later they were approached after one of the other interim care families kind of i I think stepped down yeah kind of graduated so to speak (laughs) and so uh, they got a call from um one of the uh members of leadership that said hey would we think you'd be great for this would you be interested and they just jumped on the opportunity so I think they have, what, four kids of their own? Well, they adopted two. They had one biological and they're fostering one. That's right. And they're an interim care family. And yes. they've had eight placements in a year and a half. Yeah. Meaning eight newborns Yeah. over that time. And um, they are there for at minimum one week usually and up then to about a month up to they said yeah like the longest one's probably been about a month and so um as you know different as that is for us and how you might be thinking well but if you end up with the baby wouldn't you have rather had it all along and i mean i don't know how we'll feel in that situation but mm-hmm. i will say that um i think her name was sarah was saying that she takes tons of photos. She loves the baby as her own. And, you know, like it just, it was part of their family. And so whether the baby ends up going back to mom or to the adoptive parents, she has this record of the first few weeks of 
his or her life. And it's just such a cool ministry that I'd never even considered or heard about. And I, I don't know. I just think that those people who do that are really awesome. Yeah. So, you know, obviously it's difficult to put ourselves into our future selves shoes and know exactly how we'll feel when the time comes. But ultimately, um, we, we feel very positively and confident about interim care and, and its role in our adoption, you know, when or the time comes. Role, yeah. And there, there's still the possibility that we could get a placement that's, that the white rights have been waived, um, or, or it's more of a sure thing and baby will come straight home with mm-hmm. us. But, um, you know, it's, she said, I think eight or nine out of 10 placements end up using interim care. Yeah. So it's a lot. It's a whole lot. And they, they, they said also, I think they've had what, like two placements, uh, for interim care where the mom has decided to parent as well. Mm. So it's not, not incredibly like super rare, but it's, it's unlikely at least. That, it's not the most likely scenario. Yeah, yeah. And ultimately, I mean, just the main kind of thing to remember with adoption and foster care and all of that is that the ultimate goal is what's best for the kid. And that's not really up to the adoptive parents or the foster parents or the agency necessarily. It's up to the parents and the court and so many outside factors and um, the goal is reconciliation and they want to keep families together and adoptions kind of really it's a last resort mm-hmm. so but we feel really called to do it and so we're we'll see what happens we'll see what happens was there uh, anything else about that last meeting class mm-hmm. session seminar it was. Uh, it actually Panel. ended up being pretty short, which was, was kind of weirdly nice. We, we got spent... to have an earlier dinner than we planned. <laughs> we spent longer in the car getting there and back than we actually did in the class. Yeah, but um, no, I don't think so. I, th- I think that was the basics, but I'm, um, I'd love to know if anybody has initial thoughts that are like, whoa, that's cool, or whoa, that's scary, or you know, <laughs> maybe we'll do an Instagram poll. Maybe so. But you want to move on to... Culture Capsule! I don't know why I said it like Santa Claus. But... Oh, you're not going to do your <laughs> cool sound? Well, yeah, but I was just making sure everybody knew what we were going to do oh. before well, I inserted the cool sound. I'm glad you said it because it's been so long that I forgot what it was called. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what it's called. And the way that we make sure everybody knows it's happening is by putting a cool sound here. Well, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Um, my my initial thought is a dumb one. Go for it. No but judgment. It Judgment-free anyway. zone. It is cultural. Uh, your sister told me today that if you download the Sonic app, you can always get half-price drinks. For those of you unfamiliar, we were talking about Sonic America's Drive-In. Right. Also, Sonic, How are you not familiar with it? Sonic, if you're listening, sponsor us. <laughs> but... I didn't know that. And it's like how at Chick-fil-A now you can like place your order through the app. You tell them when you get there what stall you're in. And it's like the perfect thing for lazy people. <laughs> and we didn't use the app, but we did get Sonic Happy Hour today. We so sure thanks, did. Chelsea. 
We'll yeah, send well you done. a pic. Uh, we will, I guess. Well, my culture capsule is that a little more than a week after this episode comes out, between this episode and the next episode, I am playing a show in or out just outside of Minneapolis in Apple Valley, Minnesota at the Minnesota State Zoo, which is pretty cool because animals. Uh, but honestly, the coolest part is that we are opening up for Matt Carney, Woo-hoo! which is pretty rad. Um, for those of you who don't know, Matt Carney is a musician and he's great. Look it up. Look him up. He's awesome. Um, my mom did not know who Matt Carney was. So come on, Mel. I hope more people do. <laughs> they do. They know. You can tell. They know. Um, but he is one of our favorite artists and it's actually a really exciting opportunity with um, our friend Matt, who also is Matt. also a really talented <laughs> artist. And um, he just, I don't remember how it came about, but he asked Brian if he was free. And thankfully, it's like one of those weekends or it was far enough in advance that you didn't already have other stuff booked. And boy, you wouldn't have wanted to miss that one. And also, soon, uh, I am playing with my, like I said, my good buddy Ross. And we're going to be opening up for Aaron Watson. Those of you familiar with Texas Country may recognize that name because he's a big deal. He's named after our dog, Watson. Yes. He went back in time after we named our dog Watson. <laughs> but that's really cool, too, because I, I don't really listen to country anymore just because it's changed a lot. But I like Ross's style of country. I do not like Florida Georgia Line's style of country. Um, but... If, Florida Georgia Line, if you're listening, <laughs> sponsor us. <laughs> we don't hate you as people. Uh, but um, that is a name that I recognize from my, my days listening to country more often. Yeah. When I was an Aggie, I had to listen to country. It's I mean, rule. I'm still an Aggie, but when I was there. Yeah. Oh, and speaking of the Aggies, we're also playing at Kyle Field this year Whoop. during the 2019 Aggie football season. Ugh, so I want to go to that one. That would be so cool. Pretty dope. I haven't been back to College Station in a really long time. Yeah, I was I was trying to do the math, and I think I haven't been back in eleven years. I want to go back as an alumni and like sit in a fancy seat and like have a tailgate and some fancy know. food. Yeah, have free food. And <laughs> <laughs> I'll wear my ring and everything for Come the first on. time in years. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very important keepsake. I wear it every day. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, the Alumni Student Foundation every day. Well, I Wait, think... I have one more thing to add about that. Oh, my goodness. I asked them to remove me from their contact list because they... They were calling asking for money from Emily because it's her uh, her alma mater. Yeah, but I that's <laughs> not the part that I was... That I thought was funny. It's the, uh, that I was like, okay... Um, probably not going to give you any money. Sorry. Maybe if I was richer, I would, but I enjoyed my time there very much. And I just, that's where I'll end it. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, I think we better wrap up. It's getting crazy. Before we go any further off the rails. Daddy's got to make some Thai food tonight. Don't call yourself that. Well, I'm going to be one. I don't like the term daddy. Well, too late. What about Daddy-O? <laughs> no, 
I know. <laughs> anyway, well, we'll see. Thank you so much for listening to us. Um, after our little hiatus, we will try to be back with more consistently regular episodes. Um, as always, if you have any questions or ideas for topics of conversation or you want to know something about us, hit us up. Email us, kiddingourselvespodcast at gmail.com. Holler at us on Instagram, kiddingourselvespodcast. You can Take send our us poll. a DM. Take our poll that Emily's going to do. And until next time, if you'd like to help bring our kiddo home, head over to adopttogether.org slash kiddingourselves. Our theme music is by honoraries and volunteers featuring Brian Cox on drums. Yeah.